Do you want to introduce your guest? If you did not meet these two wonderful ladies at, at uh, their, their wedding, I'm going to tell you something. They are fantastic ladies. So before they leave, greet them, shake their hands, hug them for allowing Brother Jonathan to be here and be with us. We are so proud. I, I just want to say, not only as, as someone that has become friends with Brother Jonathan, you know, they always say it's hard to be friends with, pe with people that you pastor, but he's still been very, very respectful and kind, allowing me to be pastor. But how much he has grown, we are so proud of your son and your grandson, of what he is doing here. They are doing fantastic. And I just wanted to, brother, I just wanted to do that for them. I, we're proud of him. Y'all should be very proud of him. I know that you are. <laughs> Sister Pam's back. She's been dealing with her, her recovery from her knee surgery. Divine, it's so good to have her, you with us again today. It's just good to have everybody in the house of the Lord. Amen. Brother Skipper, I believe God's going to touch your knee. I'm praying that all pain is gone. In the name of Jesus. Matthew, the 21st chapter, verses 8 through 11. And then verses 15 through 16. says that a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. And this is where we get Palm Sunday. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all of the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Surely, they don't just do this for anybody. Who is this? It was the multitude then that said that this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Verse 15 and 16. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, the wonderful things that he did. And the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were displeased. And they said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? Jesus said unto them that you have never read. That out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. With the help of the Lord for the next few minutes on this wonderful, memorable Sunday, I want to preach from this subject. Their tragedy is our triumph. Their tragedy is our triumph. Why don't we close our eyes, lift up our hearts and our voices to the Lord this morning. Let me hear you pray. Jesus, we ask that your anointing and your spirit would move in this place. Lord, we thank you for what this day means and the timing that it represents and what it commemorates. 
God, we ask that that same anointing of healing that followed you into Jerusalem that day would move in this place through the preaching of your word. Open up the heavens and move in this place and visit us in a way that you already have. Save us, O Lord, from our sins. Deliver us out of our troubles. Touch our hearts and our mind and our spirit within us. Release us from emotional prisons today. Set us free from the bondage of sin and emotional slavery. God, today in the precious name of Jesus, let your name be glorified and your presence felt in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Why don't we clap our hands and give praise to him right now before we're seated. Praise God. You may be seated this morning. As I try to picture what this day would have looked like 2,000 years ago when Jesus came into the city. Today, as we look back and we remember its significance and we think about what actually was taking place, Jesus Christ was coming into Jerusalem at the time of Passover. And so the city was overcrowded with masses of people, very much like the time of the night of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, when every man returned to his home country to pay their taxes. Jerusalem was now the religious epicenter of the day for every believer to come to the temple to pay tribute and give their sacrificial lamb unto the high priest so that their sins may be pushed back. Jesus Christ was coming into Jerusalem for the same purpose, yet in a different method. His purpose wasn't to be the sac- just to be the sacrifice to push the sins back to wash away all of the sins of the earth. The masses making him welcome as he began to come into the city, riding upon the colt. People's cry in his ears, God, save us, Hosanna. To the king from their lips. But when God does a work, we generally don't know the way that he does it. After all, we don't understand peace until after we've been through a storm. And so many times we've asked God to do things in our life, but didn't know that he was having to break things in our current life to release us into what he was establishing to bring us into. People's cry for God to save them was getting ready to happen as God would lead to Calvary. We see the process as it generally unfolds, and that's how it really is with the will of God in our life when we begin to ask God to do things. We're living in the circumstance. We're living in the trial. We're living in the situation as we watch day by day how the tragedy and the trial begins to unfold, and it changes before our eyes. As we walk out of the problem, we realize then how God was in it. We see it as it unfolds slowly but surely. We live in the outcomes of fulfilled promises of God. We now see more clearly. Everyone's always told me my whole life, hindsight is twenty-twenty. If we were to look back, we could say I would have done this differently or I would have changed this different, but I can see where God stepped in. I can see where God moved things. I can see where God healed. I can see God where He has delivered, where He strengthened, where He touched, and where He helped. Where He was comfort, where He was strength, where there was grace, 
where there was joy and sorrow. And we see that looking back. Knowing the mind and knowing the ways of God are mysterious to us. No one truly knows completely the mind and the complete way of God. If the will of God were that simple, I think we would have all made it clearly to a, a desired outcome and to a prosperous place in our life. And we would have never gone through the horrors or, horrors or the setbacks and the trials of tragedy and issues and addiction and pain and of loss and of agony. But that's not the way that the will of God unfolds. That's not the way that the will of God is. But the will of God is this, and it is sure. It is the will of God that none should perish, but that all should come into repentance. And the will of God is that none should perish, but that all should have life and life more abundantly. The will of God is that we all be saved. That is a sure thing. That is the surety of knowing the mind and the will of God. Regardless of what happens in our life, His will is through this we must be saved. After this we must be saved. The will of God will not lead us down the wrong places and the wrong paths and the wrong roads of life. And so He answered their prayer by laying their world of sin upon His own shoulders. God, save us. And with the stripes he took upon his back, they never saw that coming. Their sin was laid. What did he show us? He showed us the first place you find hope is the house of God. Because as he came into Jerusalem, before he touched the mind, before he touched the body, before he healed the sick, when they cried, God save us. He led the crowd to the temple. What will He give us? Direction. What will He give us? Revelation and understanding of His Word. For He has called His house a house of prayer. He has given us strong words and a commandment where we can find faith. Where we can find peace. Where we can find life. And where we can find hope. And as he entered into Jerusalem. He led them to the place where they could find it all. He started his journey with the word to his disciples. Go into the city. And you'll find two animals tied. And if anybody asks you. Just tell them the master has need of it. Fulfilling a prophecy of Zechariah from generations of old and before. Meaning that if they were to go into town and find exactly what the Lord had said would be there and it be fulfilled, if anyone should ask and they say exactly what Jesus had said unto them to say, the master has need of it. That meant that they believe that one is coming. A deliverer is coming. A healer is coming. A savior is coming. A king is coming. And only a believer would release what they possessed into the hands of the disciples for the king to use. But it began with the word of direction. And God gave direction. He said, go and you will find someone will ask. And when they ask, they will release it. But the words of the master were already at work. 
entering into the city. His path was straight to the place where he commanded them to go in the time of need to the house of the Lord. But the days and the hour that it began to unfold and the story begins to blossom into a beautiful story of our salvation, the tragedy of his triumphant entry of Jerusalem is their tragedy, but it's our triumph. What was triumphant about his entry? It's just what scholars have named it. It's just what the readers of Scripture have named it. There were many who were very unaware of what was being prayed that day. God, save us. They had no clue what they were asking God to do. And they had no way of knowing how God was going to do it. They were oblivious to the God-given direction to them in their life. Closed off to the hope that was declared to them. A 33-year-old man who at his birth was prophesied, His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. In the Gospels of Matthew, at Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Luke, and John portray beautiful texts that outline the conversations and the details of what happened as Jesus entered into Jerusalem and before he left to Bethany that evening. Those in, that entry, that, that coming in to Jerusalem that day was very tragic for the people that witnessed it and saw it. Though they took off their own garments and they laid it in the street and they took branches off of the trees and they paved the way for Jesus to go. Their tragedy today is our triumph. Because they didn't even see what was before them. It was like Jacob waking up from Luz and he said, Surely the presence of the Lord was here and I did not know it. How it began with those prophetic words of Zechariah playing out before their eyes, thus letting the stable hand know the master has need of it. Now as Jesus was riding that very colt, the streets paved with their sacrifices of praise and offering, palm branches of trees lining the way for his journey. Many questioned that very day, who is this? What a sad thing for someone who doesn't know who Jesus is. Many still wonder to this day because they only heard stories and they think he's someone that contradicts their lifestyle. and He, he contradicts their way of living. He contradicts their wants. He contradicts their ideas. But no, Jesus is not there to be controversial. Jesus is not there to be breaking. Jesus is not there to be condemning. Jesus is there offering a way of truth and of life and of hope and of love and forgiveness and deliverance. He is there to bring an answer to the prayer that the people cried, God, save us. I mean, they still wonder today just exactly who Jesus is. The prophet that they said, Nazareth of Galilee, who is more than a prophet. He was more than God manifested in flesh. He was more than a stranger among them. He was a healer. He was a savior. He was a deliverer. He was God Almighty himself incarnate. He was able to conquer the soul, the mind, the will, and the pain of life. And hold it conquered in his hand. Because in his name there is power and there is life forevermore. In the mass hysteria and the hype, there are many that were aloof to who it was. It is that was receiving the glory of their praise. Who is this? And they ask today in our churches, when you tell me about Jesus, who is he? He's a way maker. 
He is the source of heavenly hope and strength, the one of who is foretold that would bear the weight of the world, the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth was even laid. He's the way out. He is the way out of no way. He is the joy of life. He is the peace giver. He is the peace that passes understanding. He is the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ, the hope of glory that remains in us, that quickens us, that unctions us, that saves us, that heals and delivers That's who he is in whom there is no lie but the way, the truth, and the life. Looking to save the lost, make room for him. Make room for him. In his second entry into the temple in Jerusalem, my wife very much likes the first time he went in. Because as he went in, he braided a whip and he drove the money changers out. But now, as the people were crying for salvation and deliverance, he led them in. He revisited the temple that had been cleared out at one point, but they had filled it again. They couldn't stay consistent in godly dedication to the tabernacle. They couldn't stay consistent in their godly dedication to the purpose of what the house of the Lord was given for prayer. It's sad that we want to come to church and many want to be entertained with a good worship set, but they can't stay for the preaching. God didn't say that he chose the foolishness of worship to save the soul. The Bible said that he chose the foolishness of preaching. But when you preach, you don't preach a song. You preach the word. You preach the message. You preach Jesus. You preach Christ. You preach him crucified. You preach him resurrected. You preach him powerful. You preach him mighty. You preach him loving. You preach him caring. You preach him gracious. You preach him merciful. You don't browbeat. You don't guilt trip. You don't condemn. You preach grace. You preach his word because his word is strong enough to bring godly conviction. I was talking to my wife yesterday, and I said, and you think it, I think it's very poetic, the fact that Jesus would one day drive out the people from the temple with a whip to get people to find forgiveness for their sins through prayer, but the very whip would be laid upon his back so they could actually have it. To fulfill the prayer of the people, blood must be shed, but to think they didn't see that happening. How did they see God forgiving their sin? How did they expect God to save them? It was their tragedy because they didn't understand. They didn't know. They couldn't see it. They couldn't fathom it. But it is our triumph because we know that in Him is life and life more abundantly. Our triumph is that through Him we have the hope of heaven assured. They continued to cry out, Hosanna to the son of David. He said, when they tried to shut them up, do you hear what they say? Haven't you heard that they were seeing wondrous works? The children were crying that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Even them that were religious and scholarly and knowing and educated couldn't see the answer that was sitting before them. And how oblivious are we so many times as the preachers in the platform preaching, as the preachers in the altar preaching. This is your answer. This is your hope. This is your way out. This is your reward. This is your glory. But yet you can't see it. 
many times many people are just troubled with problems that have been preached about, that have been talked about. And the answer stands before him, Jesus Christ, the way. Out of the mouth of babes, he said, thou hast perfected praise. But it was in the book of Luke. Something that strikes me as Jesus was coming in, their praise was very much centered around what the angels declared the night. When the Bible said in that night there were shepherds abiding in the fields and an angel of the Lord appeared unto them. And the glory of the Lord shone round upon them. And the angels were singing glory to God and the highest peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Here's what the people were saying. Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitudes who said unto him, Master, rebuke them. And he said, I cannot, for if these should hold their peace, then the rocks would cry out. And it was then that Jesus departed. And he looked over Jerusalem and he began to weep. Their tragedy is our triumph. And he said, because you knew not the time of your visitation, not one stone will rest upon another. Their tragedy is the promise that I had more for you, that I have grace for you. I have peace for you. I have answer for you. But you could not receive it. But I'm here to tell you today what they missed out on right now in this moment. That very grace, that very peace, that very joy, and that very healing is yours today. We don't just speak it. We live in it. Because we've experienced the healing and power and the peace of Jesus Christ. What they missed out on. You don't have to miss out on. As he would comfort them in his tears. He said as I as a mother hen would gather her chicks. How I tried to reach you. How I tried to comfort you. How I tried to shower you and overshadow you with my presence. He said I'm telling you right now church. I'm covering you. I'm showering you. If you would just realize the time of your visitation. Their tragedy is our triumph. If thou hast even known, even now this day, the things which belong unto you. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. There was an anointing in the presence of God that began to minister that day. And they couldn't see it. And he even wept over the city. It's very much like the promise of his birth when the angels were declaring born unto you this day in the city of David a savior Jesus was coming into the city they were saying God save us a savior was presented and the Pharisees were like tell the people to be quiet Listen, I don't want anybody in this church uh, when it's time for prayer and when it's time for praise. Uh, I don't want you joking. I don't want you telling stories. Uh, I don't want you trying to disrupt what's going on. Uh, when it's time to praise uh, and when it's time to pray, uh, I don't want you quiet when it comes to making God known in this place. Uh, I want you worshiping. I want you shouting. Uh, I want you touching God. I don't ever want you to hold your peace. Uh, I don't want a rock to cry out in your place. Uh, I want you to testify of what God has done for you. I want you to believe for God to do greater things. I, I want you to touch God that his presence would come because out of the two or three are gathered together in his name. There in the midst of them he said I'm going to be. Hey if you're in the back and you're laughing and you're cutting up I might tell you and I've got the right as a pastor to tell you hey take it into the foyer. Take it outside. 
But if you're in the back and you're worshiping and you're loud, sister, you just worship and you get loud. Well, pastor, it's just been a hard week, uh, and all I want to do is give God thanks that it didn't get worse. Uh, I know it's been a painful day, uh, but I just want to give God praise because he's been good to me. Then, sister, you lift up your voice, uh, and you make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and you shout with the voice of triumph because what they missed, we've got. Their tragedy is our triumph. Well, I've been 22 minutes. I'll make this quick. But it was in the book of John, I believe that there was more revelation about the ministry of Jesus Christ and his entry into Jerusalem than we could have ever even imagined. Because it was in the book of John as he began to come in beyond their praise and beyond their garments laid out in the streets and beyond the palm branches that had been laid out before his feet as he began to walk. It was in the book of John that he began to talk about how his soul was now exceedingly sorrowful. He hadn't even got to Gethsemane yet in the weight of what was getting ready to happen. Why? Because when they said, God save us, there's only one way. He said, I'm going to destroy the temple and I'm going to raise it up again. There's only one way. God be a healer. There's only one way for he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Our eyes esteemed him not and we rejected him for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes you are healed. There's only one way. And book of John, the 12th chapter, there's so many verses that begin to depict the, 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 the coming of Jesus Christ. He said that hours now come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. And for so long, and I don't want you to think, I guess you weren't as smart as I thought you were. For so long, I just, I really could never imagine and put together this picture. And maybe it was the fact that I didn't really like my pizza last night from U.S. Pizza Company that Sister Warbington and I had. In fact, we looked at each other and said, my pizza really wasn't that good. Was yours that good? She's like, no, it really wasn't that good. But we, we, had, we had dinner last night with Brother Jacobs. His was actually pretty good, I'm guessing. He didn't complain one bit. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going over my loop, and I'm reading. and You know what? Uh, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground. I mean, whole, it really does nothing. It's not really giving. It's only singularly used, able to be used for one thing and for one purpose. It's not very fruitful, he said. But what he says, but you take what has life now and you put it in the ground and you let it die. Then it's going to sprout into something greater and it's going to give out more fruit. And it's going to become more than just one thing. It's going to become multiple things. It's going to grow out and it's going to bear fruit. And if you take that fruit and you bear that, then it's going to grow. And that's going to bear fruit and that's going to bear more fruit. And you take that and you bury that and it's going to grow. And then before you know it, that one thing that you planted, that one seed that you planted, when it was buried in the ground and it died, it became an entire garden of life. 
He said, I can't give the life that I need to give unless what I have is first put in the ground and it dies. I can't give the life that I need to give unless the vessel is broken. I can't give the life that I need to give. I can't give the answers to the prayers that I need to give. I can't do more than just push it back unless what I have is broken for you. That's what he said with his disciples. And he takes the bread, Brother Skipper, and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken. Because once I break it, I disperse it and I give it. And I want you to remember, it was broken so that you can be filled. It was broken so that it can nurture and that it can nourish a life that needs. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit, Jesus was feeling the weight of the calling of Hosanna, their tragedy. How was it tragic? Because he said, now is my soul trouble. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this world for this purpose. This was my reason. This was my reason for being. This was my reason for coming. This was my reason for giving. This is it. This is what it amounts to. And the Bible said, and the heavens opened, and the voice of God began to speak. And you would think that God was confirming, and that God was reassuring, that God was ministering to Jesus. But Jesus said, no, that word did not come for me. That word come for you. Their tragedy is our triumph. Why? He began to prophesy. Concerning it, if I, if I am lifted up above the earth, I will draw all men unto me. This is what he said, signifying what death he should take. But just a few verses later in verse 37, but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. No, this voice wasn't for me. This voice was for you. Why? Because they had done so many works before them, they could not believe Their tragedy. I was home for my first year of Bible college. Ended up taking about a year and a half, almost two full years off. A youth pastor's wife was going into the doctor that week. She was having a biopsy in her neck. She had a, a, a goiter, a lump that came. Miranda Taylor came to the altar that morning. I had opened the service that day. It was one of those things that Brother Clifford was, they were just trying to help me. They were just trying to teach me. Brother Preston would open up services and I would open with prayer or lead with a prayer service for the sick or I would open the service and Brother Preston would lead the prayer service for the sick. It was just always trying. But that morning I was leading the prayer service and Sister Miranda came up and she, I'll never forget, she walked this line. She, she, she hugged Brother Brandon. She hugged the right side of the church. You know, here's our youth pastor's wife and she's coming in and she is scared. She doesn't know what's going to happen. She knows that her body's got something wrong with it. And she comes and she stands right here. And she lifted her hands. And as we always did, we anointed Pastor, his fingertips, and he walked over. And I came and I stood to the right hand side. 
Brother Preston, he came and he stood to the left-hand side. Brother James, her husband at the time, sat, come and stood behind her. And we began to pray in the name of Jesus. It wasn't very long. We didn't have to call fire down from heaven. We didn't have to shout. We didn't have to scream. We didn't have to shake. So don't always just go and thinking we're Pentecostals. We're always just emotional. Yeah, we get excited. That's okay. Sometimes, brother, we sometimes, brother Carl, we just can't contain. Though we need to sometimes. It reminded me a lot so much of like you, Sister Kathy. Her hands just began to shake. And all of a sudden, this scream, this wail just came out. It scared all of us. It fell off. We saw it and we believed and we still believe but many saw I wish I could say, say today that she was still in church I wish her husband at the time could have stayed in But I've seen others who have received miracles and they can't let it go. And it's been 30 and 40 years. Their tragedy that they couldn't see what was in front of them and believe and hold on to it is our triumph for having believed and not seen. Then it was prophesied of Isaiah, for the Lord who hath believed our report, and to whom the armor of the Lord hath been revealed. Therefore, they could they not believe, because that Isaiah said again that he blinded their eyes and he hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes nor understand there with their heart and be converted, and I should heal them their tragedy. Here's what's worse it says in verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, so many of them believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. How heartbreaking that you can't even worship God because you're afraid of what somebody's going to say. You can't even live for God because you're afraid somebody's going to say, Well, I guess you're just one of them holy rollers now. You bet your bottom dollar I am. Because he's done so much more for me than you ever have. He's given me life and life more abundantly. What have you done lately? The, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. You're the only one that's trying to break me. You're the only one that's trying to take my hope. You're the, you're the devil. Their tragedy is our triumph 
And Jesus cried and said, And he that believeth on me, believeth not only on me, but believeth on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. For I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not live in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save what they missed. We got. Yes. Their tragedy. I don't just celebrate. Palm Sunday as a triumphant entry. I celebrate because everything that he embodied to give, I live in it. What he died for, I've received it. What he broke, I've possessed it. And what they tragically could not hold, I hold it. Their tragedy is my triumph because in Him I'm free. In Him I have life and I have it more abundantly. In Him my family's been restored. In Him my favor and my children. In Him, a family has had healing. In Him, a a home has been... I ain't here to embarrass anybody. But in Him, children come back. In Him, children are given. In Him, sins are forgiven. In Him, lives are restored. In Him, comfort comes in the midst of brokenness. In Him, there is healing in the body. In Him, there is salvation for the mind. Their tragedy is our triumph. Jesus said, the hour has come. My soul is exceeding sorrowful. But nevertheless, I did not come to condemn the world. I come to say it. Hmm. Why don't we stand this morning and with our hands lifted up, can we just begin to shower Him with praise for a few moments?